Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can expand your sustainable and ESG opportunities with insights from leaders in the field. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for these weekly conversations about developments in this fast-growing industry. My guest today is Jens Wolf. Jens is the Vice President and General Manager at Enviva Europe. Enviva is the world's largest supplier of wood pellet biomass, and Jens is one of the world's leading experts on biomass. So we're really fortunate to have him on today's program. How are you today, Jens? I'm very good, Paul. Thank you. Great. Well, listen, we're going to learn a little bit more about you and your role at, at Enviva in a few minutes. But first, I want to jump right into our subject matter discussion today and ask you to tell our listeners what's on the horizon for the bioenergy and biomass industry at large in 2021. Oh, well, very happy to do that. And also looking forward to, to elaborating a little on more about Enviva and my role there. But taking biomass as the starting point, um, it's the biggest renewable uh, energy source in, in Europe. And I think in 21, it will be even more apparent that it's critical to the uh, decarbonization of the European uh, energy landscape. Uh, it has already and continues to play a big role, but it, it will e be, become even bigger. Um, the way that biomass is deployed in the heat and power sectors, it works as a perfect complement to the expansion of solar and wind and our travel to get to uh, carbon zero. A number of the things that I think is going to happen in 21 is that we're going to see uh, more talk about biomass and its synergies with the deployment of a potential hydrogen future. Um, there's very exciting developments on the BEX uh, side of things. BEX is the uh, bioenergy carbon capture and storage in short, okay. where you could effectively achieve negative emissions. I think those are the biggest, uh, biggest trends in terms of what is going to happen in, in 21. I think we have uh, also a number of areas outside Europe where biomass is going to have an increasing role. We see the uh, increasing use in Japan uh, as they commit to stringent, more stringent climate change targets and other ways, uh, uh, other other countries, I would say, and other regions uh, across the globe. Okay. Now let's go back to BEX. That's spelled B-E-C-C-S, right? Mm -hmm. That's about carbon capture and storage. Um, that could really mark the beginning of a new era for low carbon fuel applications. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So BEX is really something that has taken on the last couple of years uh, people have figured out uh, that the technology that you need to make uh, carbon negative emissions with biomass is not that complicated. I think that the combination of capturing carbon and figuring out a way to, to either use it uh, instead of uh, fossil fuels or deposit it in old um, oiled or gas fields enables us to, to end up with negative emissions. Um, it is as simple as it sounds. When you uh, use the biomass to create heat or power or 
in, indeed in industrial applications. You can capture the CO2 that comes out of the, the stack uh, and deposit it uh, underground and thereby achieving negative emissions. Okay, now Jens, it, it, it's true that the US is the leading exporter of wood pellets to Europe, is that correct? With the potential to supply as much as 65% of the EU import demand. How it is, is, go ahead. Yeah, no, it, it, it is uh, perhaps a surprise to some, but uh, it is actually a very, very um, efficient uh, means of transporting energy. You imagine that in the big forest and especially in the Southeast US, there's a number of, um, um, what should you say, industries which have direct leftovers uh, in, in the wood processing and also directly in, in, in the forest, wood that would not otherwise have a home. When you put that into a, a compressed wood pellet, it's extremely cheap and from a greenhouse gas emissions point of view, very efficient to transport in ships over, even over big distances. And in uh, Europe, there's a number of coal plants which have been converted and by fairly simple uh, technical changes have been able to adopt wood pellets as a fuel instead of uh, coal. So they're using it as an alternative to coal. And uh, as I understand it, wood pellet fuel or biomass fuel at that industrial or utility level is significantly less carbon intensive over the full life, life cycle of the, of, the, of the fuel. Is that correct? It is very much so. And if you think about the, uh, the whole chain, you, you, you have waste wood, a low value wood coming out of the forest that has no other application. You turn it into a, a wood pellet. You have this, the power uh, needs to, to do that. But again, even in the worst circumstance, there's at least an 85% um, reduction in total lifetime um, greenhouse gas emissions um, compared to coal. And also uh, even across gas uh, and oil and other fossil fuels, uh, uh, very significant savings. That's really great. So let's talk about Inviva now. And Tell us about your role at the company and more about what Inviva's uh, full business model is. Yeah, so I am uh, the general manager of Inviva Europe. So I have to responsible for our team here and, uh, and customer deliveries and operations. Um, I have to say that everything works so smoothly. So I can fortunately spend most of my time uh, working with stakeholders and how to uh, create even bigger climate change uh, impact by replacing coal uh, in the heat, power, and industrial uh, sectors. Um, I perhaps a little about my background. I, I mean, it's uh, I started out as a consultant to the energy industry uh, two decades ago, and have been working both as a consultant and with a couple of utilities. Um, all the all the while in trying to. Uh, have an impact on the climate and, and the way that we, uh, as a as a society, do business. 
in Inviva here, I'm very fortunate to, to be able to speak to a number of key stakeholders in both European uh, governments and utilities that are trying to, to meet the ambitious um, climate targets that, that we have uh, in Europe. And I was reading a piece in Bloomberg this morning about some new focus within the UK by the mm -hmm. Department for Business, Energy, and the and Industrial Strategy. That's BEIS is the abbreviation. And apparently uh, they are establishing um, a, a 1.4 billion uh, pound uh, funding source to help reduce emissions, carbon emissions, not only in the business sector, but in hospitals, schools, and other public buildings as well. Uh, is that something that the energy that companies like Enviva are producing through the utility sector will be supportive of? Absolutely. I think in general, I'd say I've been supportive of the, uh, of the UK policy regime. UK has been one of the more uh, ambitious countries when it's come to uh, greenhouse gas uh, emissions reductions. They clearly saw that we needed to get off coal and quite a while back uh, put ambitions on that forward. Uh, Enviva has been instrumental in, in that journey in the UK by being suppliers to some of the big uh, conversion projects here. Uh, and I think that when you look at the UK policy, they, it also stipulates um, the use of BECs as a means to getting to the carbon zero uh, in 2050 in both the committee of climate change, the sort of non-governmental watchdog, I could say for, for the UK government on, on climate policy uh, has time and time again showed how important it is that we incorporate biomass and we incorporate BECs as a means to, to getting to the zero carbon target in a, in an what is an optimal and economic fashion. Good, that's a very interesting. No, I'm sorry, Paul. Yeah, that's they, okay, one go ahead. One of the very interesting things about BECs is obviously that it, it will allow us to not decarbonize some of the sectors that are incredibly expensive to do so. You know, effectively be able to go about our daily lives uh, in, uh, in a way uh, where, say, whether we're talking about very heavy goods transport or very remote areas where people live and have very difficult um, transport needs, you'd continue to be able to do that um, without making it too expensive because you know that you will be able to create negative emissions through the, the back route. Jens, we've been going through the COVID-19 pandemic for the last year. And I'm curious to hear how the pandemic has impacted Enviva's business and to what extent. Uh, you do business all over the world and I'm wondering how you've been affected by the pandemic. Well, our production hasn't been affected at all. We have had a cracking team uh, at all our production facilities and the company is as a whole, I've been reacting extremely well to all the challenges that's been presented by COVID. 
so we haven't lost an hour of production uh, and we haven't had any uh, serious safety incidents out of it. I think the one thing that has come out on a, a more global scale is that the use of, because of all the lockdowns, et cetera, you've seen a, a significant a reduction in demand uh, for power, for instance. Uh, the demand for biomass power have not fallen. And as a result, you've seen, and because of the really, I'd say great performance of many of the plants, you've seen a higher proportion of renewable uh, generation uh, in a number of countries as a result of this. And I think it shows us something of, about the future uh, that as we, as we increasingly have solar and wind in the system and in, in our efforts to decarbonize, we must not forget that we also need uh, dispatchable power that is able to provide the heat and power also when uh, the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow. And that's what, what effectively I started my, <laughs> my talk about here earlier when I say, well, it is really where biomass comes to its right as a supplement um, to the other ways in which we can decarbonize uh, the power, power system. So looking beyond the, the time of the pandemic, Jens, what trends in bioenergy in the international marketplace do you foresee occurring throughout 2021 and beyond? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a continuing on some of the story in the countries that are a little behind. So when I think about uh, Germany, Poland, other countries uh, with a huge uh, coal dependency, uh, I expect them to move further towards uh, getting off coal. And that will involve uh, conversion of some of that uh, coal capacity to biomass. It is an extremely efficient way of doing it because you can effectively utilize the existing assets. Uh, you can maintain the infrastructure, whether it's being transmission, supply chain, and indeed jobs. So there's a social dimension to it as well. Um, so I think that's going to uh, continue, as I say, in countries where they're perhaps a little behind the curve on some of the uh, carbon reductions. Another area which I think is I can see is becoming more important is in the industrial applications. Uh, areas that currently use high proportions of coal, such as steel, cement, ceramics, and others, are increasingly interested in what they can do to uh, reduce their carbon emissions. And I think biomass uh, is going to play a role there. And, and if you go even further out, I, I have already mentioned specs, which I think is is going to be important. Um, I also think that chemicals where you don't have an alternative, um, there is certain uh, applications where you're, in my mind at least, never going to get away from having a, a carbon um, element to it, and biomass will increasingly play a role there. Currently, it might be a little too expensive, but that's the way we're, we're going. Let's, let's go back to your mention of the social dimensions of the bioenergy uh, industry and particularly in Viva's business, uh, 
because uh, Viva has been creating jobs in the southeastern United States for a number of years now, especially in communities where that, that have suffered economically over the last couple of generations. Uh, do you see that going forward in other parts of the world as you build out your capacity? Absolutely. But if I take that first, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a great success story. I mean, unfortunately, it's on the back of, of as you say, an unfortunate decline of other industries like the paper industry, which has both left some areas uh, in a socially disadvantaged position, but also on the forest side left a number of incentives that you previously had to grow and man man manage your forest. Uh, uh, that would then no longer be there. That's where we have stepped in uh, and created both the demand for for that low value wood that has no other home, and been fortunate enough to get that sort of positive impact on local um, communities by, I guess you say, effectively um, created hundreds and hundreds of jobs in in these communities. And when I talked about it in other parts of the world, I actually would say that as already has happened and continue to do so because our main customer base at the moment is the CHP, is the power stations that provide heat and power uh, in Europe. And by not having to close down these big previously coal-fired facilities, you have you've saved a lot of money in not having to build new. And you've maintained jobs and communities uh, that was previously built uh, on the coal, coal plant economics. So I think you'd see a number of places where our customers has been very successful in maintaining uh, good quality jobs where they are currently operating. And Inviva is actually doing this, this uh, business now end to end, right? Working with the growers of the timber uh, to support their, their needs and uh, producing the pellets and then shipping them as well. Uh, you've built a couple of uh, shipping ports in the Southeastern United States in Mississippi, I believe, maybe in Pascagoula, you have one and there may be another one. Is that yeah. true? So, so we, I mean, of course the, uh, we are living by being able to serve our customers at all times and, and being a, a reliable partner in that very important infrastructure, uh, things that power plants are, you know, people have to know that, that the fuel comes when they've ordered it from us. Uh, in places we've been able to, to use existing facilities, but other places we have also uh, decided that the best way forward is to invest in our own facilities. We currently now operate out of, um, five deep sea ports, making it possible for us to, even when weather and other um, sort of hard to control events happen, that we would be able to continue to ship um, fuel to our customers. And of course, the social dimension of it, Paul, as you mentioned, as we build infrastructure, it also provides jobs and economic activity in the areas where we operate. Okay, so Jens, what newsworthy is happening at Enviva that you want to share with our listeners today? I would say that there's always things newsworthy happening at Enviva. We are a very dynamic company and we continue to 
to be so, I, I believe. But a specific mention is that we here mid-February this year announced our commitment to go uh, carbon zero uh, from our operations uh, by 2030, the latest. Um, I'm very heavily involved in that plan. I think it's um, something that's very exciting uh, to, uh, as a company to, 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 to drive. Um, the, what we have effectively have committed to is that we are either going to reduce, eliminate, or offset any of the emissions from fossil fuels that are used directly in our operations. And we are already working at it uh, very hard. And in addition, we have committed to sourcing all of our uh, power from renewable sources. Um, so either through implementing plants on our sites or investing in plants elsewhere with the utility partners that, that currently provide us, uh, we're gonna only use renewable power by 2030. That's terrific. The last yeah, so ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. You better stop me because I could talk about this forever. <laughs> sure. What there was one other point you wanted to make, I believe. No, no it's like I think for us it's also uh, something about uh, the commitment to uh, to sort of wider goals uh, of of being a good custodian of the of the planet, and as such, we are going to be even more transparent about both what we do in terms of uh, our climate plan and our progress towards it. And as a company, we've all already been uh, what's the pioneers in that field with our uh, track and trace system that allows everybody to go in and see exactly where we source the, the low value wood that we use in the wood pellets from uh, and through our sustainability reporting, effectively laying out all the goals that we have and reporting on, on how far we are towards meeting them. Well, thanks, Jens. And what last minute takeaways do you have for our podcast listeners today? Well, I think um, hopefully I will come back <laughs> and, <laughs> and be tested on some of these things. Uh, yes, but, we but, make sure we, we're going to have that test ready for you soon. <laughs> okay, well, but, you know, I, I think that uh, I have been thinking a little about what, what should I really leave people with that has been kind enough to listen to us having our chat today here. But I think that in some respect, I, I believe and I hope that 2021 uh, will remain, uh, will, will become a turning point uh, from a renewables point of view. Um, it uh, is always debatable exactly when it happens, but I think that we'll start talking about solar, wind, biomass is no longer things being alternative. It's actually the mainstream. That's where most investment will go in. That's where we see the future. And from a point of view where there's no return really, we know that there is a way of solving the climate problems. Uh, if we apply a, say a basket of new technologies, uh, one of which I think uh, woody biomass uh, is going to be a very important one. Terrific. So Jens, how can our podcast listeners contact you and Inviva with questions uh, about today's program or in general about your business? Well, 
I'm always very happy to be uh, uh, tapped up uh, on, on LinkedIn. And I also think that just go to our website where I, I really invite people to go and see it, all the wonderful things that we are doing in terms of sustainability, forest uh, conservation, restoration, etc. And there, of course, you will be able to find the contact details for uh, for our various teams. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Jens Wolf, Vice President and General Manager of Enviva Europe, who's been our guest today on the Sustainable Finance Podcast. And to our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you.